You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risk to our country. Freedom brings people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Welcome to episode 330. My name is Chris Spangle here on We Are Libertarians on Tuesday, November 20th, 2018. Harry's back. It's been forever since we've done a proper show. We're going to talk about marijuana legalization tonight, and we're also going to talk about the future of Facebook and its imminent demise. So stay tuned. We'll be back right after this. Warning. This show is for adults, produced by semi-adults. So the language is sometimes strong and offensive. Uh, I don't know what I said. Uh. Welcome to We Are Libertarians, where our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. We examine current events from a libertarian perspective while treating modern politics with all of the irreverence it deserves. There has been lie after lie. We toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, a 15-year veteran of politics and media, Chris Spangle. Welcome to the show. Again, my name is Chris Spangle. Sitting right over there is the elusive Harry Price. Harry, how are you? Going good, going good. How are you doing? I haven't seen you. Well, you were here for the election night party. Right, right. Now, we didn't stream that to, um, we streamed it to our $10 a month and plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, if you're a patron, then you could go back and watch it or listen to it all six hours. I can't believe people actually went back and listened to the entire six hours, more than just Christy Avery. I, I can understand it. A lot of cool stuff happened that you know, episode. Well, we had a great time that night. Um, the It was, it was like... It was like an actual ele- election night party. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. there, as you and I here, we, we had pizza. We Correct. had a nice fire going. Mm-hmm. We were watching the election returns. And then we had like 12 of our best friends on the Zoom hanging mm-hmm. out, yep. just sharing thoughts. And and the, the actual audio of it, I don't think it wasn't great, but it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was kind of a, it, it kept a good pace. Correct, yeah. So if yeah. you have six hours that you're just like, I can't get enough We Are Libertarians, mm-hmm. then you need to become a patron at $5 a month and you can go back and get six hours worth from a couple weeks ago and the, here are real-time thoughts. Um, posted posted a little chunk of it in the Daily because Creighton, uh, Creighton graced us with his presence live from New York City. Um, Clayton? Yes. <laughs> he almost uh, dropped because you called him Clayton again. He, he hates that. Oh, sorry. Hi. Apologize, Clayton. <laughs> um, so apparently the audio is fuzz. Christy, keep us apprised of that, please, uh, on the uh, live stream. We don't we don't like fuzzy audio, but uh, we're we're doing our best here. Um, where do you want to start? Well, let me. So a tire update. <laughs> you actually asked about my tires. Yes. Yeah. Um. I got the tire. I got the car back last week. It took about three or four weeks for them to actually get everything to me. I at one point thought that I might not uh, get certain parts of it covered. It cost six thousand dollars total. So 
you heard live as they as I realized they may not actually cover some of that. Why are you laughing? Sorry, I'm just, just, just thinking of your car doing the nosedive again. You're a I dick. Apologize. <laughs> so they had to buy brand new rims, brand new tires, and it and that was, you know, fifteen hundred bucks. But then the the tow truck company did like four thousand dollars worth of damage. So it was like six thousand total. And then there was about another thousand in just the rental car, which I paid a hundred. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, so I got it back. Looks brand new. There are pieces of the car I didn't even know I was missing. Uh, looks great. I fear every day when I walk out that the, that the tires will be gone again. So I'm I'm haven't I, gotten the locking lug nuts the yet. Locking lug nuts. Yeah. Don't don't get the lucky lug nuts. No matter what anyone says, get the lucky lug nuts. What you think that's going to do anything to a socket too small and a hammer? Uh, so so you're saying it's a waste of money? Yeah, it is. It makes you feel good inside, but all it's going to do is you're going to lose the key and piss off the person who's going to do your tires or brakes next. Uh, I had that happen when I was in high school, but I'm a much more responsible person now. I doubt that. You're right. <laughs> I'm a baby. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I got it back. And then uh, the police actually stopped by today. Nice. They give you, like, a ticket for... A, right. Uh, <laughs> no, they shot my cats. Oh, okay. Uh, no. <laughs> no, the uh, neighbor upstairs said the police were by today. And um, I actually think it might have been because of... I think he might be mistaken. There was a divorce decree that was on my door, and I had nightmares. Like, nightmares from twenty. This? I did not get married, but it was. They accidentally put the uh, the court, uh, the sheriff, put it on the wrong door. So more government in that. Now I know that my neighbors are getting divorced. That's uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, I, I don't talk to them, so it doesn't okay, matter. Good. Right. Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you think I live in an apartment because I want to talk to neighbors? Although it's the best place to talk to neighbors because you'll have new ones in six months. I, oh, when I lived in the apartment, I always talked to my neighbor. Yeah, but you're friendly. Yeah. I live in an ivory tower. Like, I still, like, see some of the neighbors I meet around, like, uh, that I had at the apartment complex. We'll go to the grocery store, and I think I saw, um, yeah, Miss Wilk- Wilkerson, like, when we go to the, like, the coffee house, you know? Uh, so, I follow one of my former neighbors on Instagram. She's very cute. Is <laughs> that the, um... No, I don't, I don't think I follow her anymore. It was the, uh... Uh, I was like, hey, let me get your Instagram. It was like, first, no, it's not. (laughs) Harry goes, you like to follow girls on Instagram that smoke weed and what would you say? Yeah, I was like, you like uh, uh, um, big white girls who smoke weed on Instagram? That's what I follow mostly on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) And I lost it. Uh, I also like to follow girls who work on cars, too. So Right. Yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't follow any of those. More, you know, fitspirational posts. And uh, powerlifting girls. I love powerlifting girls. Really? Yeah. Okay. Those are awesome. That's an acquired taste. Bam Burr. Yeah. Part of the Bam Squad. Bam. You. You like Check. you Bam Squad. You. You see, ladies out there, if you're worried about your self-esteem, then you shouldn't be because it doesn't matter what you look like, or and guys, this applies to you too. There's somebody out there that is into your body. Like, I'm a big boy, and there are women out there who like fat gingers. You know, and Harry Harry likes... Well, how would you describe your type? Let me... I like people who are nice. Oh, okay. Okay. All right. All right. What comes down to it, like it nice. But... 
I also I like, like big white girls that smoke weed. I like bigger girls because there is some guarantees if you date a bigger girl. There's always you some know, guarantees. Chips. Well, either she knows how to cook or her mama knows how to cook. <laughs> okay. Or they've got money and she goes to eat a lot. These, you know, these, it, these, these guarantees here. I looked out. Lacey just knows how to cook. All right, good. You know, it's just those guarantees that you're going to have. Now, you're, you're comfortable enough in your marriage to say that uh, your wife is of heavier carriage? Is that what you're saying here? Or are you just worried that she does You just know she doesn't ever listen. No, oh, she listens to the podcast. She's listening at home with uh, Gunther. Okay. But, you know, no. I'm in my 30s, I love my wife. She knows what she looks like. She, she tells me, you know, what? Nothing. Yeah. I just don't want you to get in trouble. Oh no. This, I'm gonna be this I'm gonna be in trouble regardless. Okay. <laughs> okay. All, right. All right. All right. Either I said something or didn't say something. Okay. Listen, I uh, this you know I'm worried because this mar- this has ruined two marriages. Did this it? is oh yeah. There's been two divorces as a result. I was telling somebody about it. I was telling the research team the other day because they, they don't know what it's like in the old days. They have it good. They have they mm-hmm. have common sense spangle in charge right now. Yeah. Right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we're focused on the policy right yeah. yeah before the days where we were all considering like buying one house and moving into each other yeah cake, cake times like you know there is uh content oh sorry right. <laughs> those days so they don't they don't understand here i'm helping out the uh the, the few people here let's turn it on this they don't <clears throat> understand 2014 2015 chris spangle 2016 Chris Spangle, who had a little bit more money and a lot more free time. <laughs> I mean, some of those older shows, we've, we're responsible for two divorces. We are, uh, gosh, what else? Um, I mean, one of them's on tape. Mine is on tape. Like, if you go yeah. back and listen to the last episode in February of 2014 with Greg and Gina and I, <laughs> my wife is leaving me in the middle of that episode. And that is not a joke. You hear me chit-chat, chit-chat silence because i know what's going on she didn't come back after that episode um i mean so this you know we've had tsa investigations Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, many ruined friendships fist fights podcast has caused a lot of problems over the years so i don't want this to be a problem for you harry no i'll be fine um in about i think it's like two or three years i'm gonna get trouble for that one uh (laughs) that Lacey and I will have spent more time with each other than we have spent with our parents. Right. Yeah. So at that time, we've, you know, basically like we've gone over our half our lives with each other. Right. So we'll be fine. <laughs> All right. Well, let's hop into it. Uh, I gave Harry dealer's choice and then he, like my ex-wife, said, I don't care, whatever you want. I said, do you want to talk about marijuana first or do you want to talk about Facebook? And he said, I don't care, whatever you want. I said both for a drug. It doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> So both are a drug. Uh, so the uh, so I went with the weed. Yeah, so he went with the drugs. He went with the uh, the weed. Yeah. So our great research team. Um, he, he, I'm going to. I, I should say for those of you who don't. Four twenty blaze it. Who may not make it past this point in the episode. Uh, I'm going to have a conversation, not so much about Facebook. Uh, fa- a little bit about why Facebook's on in, in, on life support. But uh, we're going to talk a little bit, and I'm sure we'll talk about this again, uh, about 
we are libertarians moving forward. We're not going to put that at the beginning for those of you who may not be necessarily interested at that because I'm, I'm considering that many of you who are listening at the beginning may not be super fans like those who finish the episodes. Um, and so we're going, I'm going to have a, a, an urgent call out for many of you uh, and uh, what, what we're doing moving forward. Uh, and one of those things is get involved with the research team. And uh, the research team gets together on Slack and chit chats back and forth about the uh, the issues that we're talking about that week. I said, you know, hey, I want to talk about marijuana. And uh, three of our researchers jumped on it, started researching it, gave me a great outline, great talking points. Uh, I only had to do light reading, so I was able to do the World War One episode, which was a lot of reading. Mm-hmm. And so we were able to do two episodes this week because we're we're not just having it's not just all on my shoulders. It's it we're kind of dispersing the work a little bit. Yes. Yeah. And so crowdsourcing you, it. Yes. Right. You get the benefit of having multiple people pouring information into these microphones. And uh, so and all of that takes software and it costs money. And so please support us on Patreon if you don't have the time to get involved with the research team, which you can do if you want, editor at wearelibertarians.com. Send me an email or a Facebook message or a Twitter DM. Uh, if, you, if you do have the time, if you don't have the time, then hey, please support us on Patreon. This is the first month where we're not, we're, we're actually going backwards. So August of 2016? Yes. Uh, no, August of last year is when we put it in place. We've grown and grown and grown. This is the first month where we're going to go backwards. Mm-hmm. So please donate harder uh, because the less that we bring in on Patreon, the less that we're actually able to do, which means the less the less ears that we reach for libertarianism. And uh, so if you've been personally impacted by this program, then please uh, give back. That's all we're saying. You can go to wearelibertarians.com slash support. And you can find the Patreon link, one-time donation links, um, recurring weekly. Even I've got it. Doesn't matter. There's a way to give back, even crypto. Uh, so please, that is my pitch. I know money gets tight during the holiday season, but it, it it is worth it because we are. Think of all the content that we're producing, and it all comes from the ability of the platform to run. Uh, I'm doing all of this while the cat is screaming in the background. I don't know if you can hear it on the on the microphones. Get out of here. Get, get. No, don't fight with me. Mittens. <laughs> Mittens is such an a-hole. Um, so, but, uh, so, so to our research team, uh, Zach, Zach Ripple, Hody Johns, and uh, he, I didn't see how to pronounce his name yet, so I apologize, Vaughn Sparger. Thank you so much for your help, and thank you to everybody that does contribute on the Patreon, because you guys are all-stars. So, Marijuana is uh, very hot right now, Harry. Yes. Yes, it is. Now, I have never actually smoked pot. Okay. Have you ever smoked weed? Yeah. Yes, I have. All right. Now, being a normal person in the 21st century, I, I would expect the answer to be yes. Yeah. yeah. I know I am abnormal. Yeah. We're, yeah. It's it's different. It's not my bag. Of, you know, it's, it's not my drug of choice. I prefer coffee okay. and alcohol. But I can understand why someone would do it. You know, what, what does it feel like? Yeah, it depends on. Um, that's all depends on dosage. Just like I meant boobs. Else. I meant boobs. Oh, boobs. Oh, <laughs> bags uh, of sand. Bags of sand. <laughs> no, so when you when you when you get high, what was did you were you one of these people who tried it and 
you just like ah, I just got super paranoid, so I couldn't do it, or were you were you just like ah, yeah? I, f- I think that whole super like people getting super paranoid that's more of a cop out answer. I think you just more of a you start fe- uh, at high doses you start feeling more of yourself, uh-huh. you know, and that's what that's where the paranoia comes into. Okay. Like I start getting paranoid, yeah, because you start really like it makes you very relaxed, and you start feeling things, or just make you aware of stuff that you're already. A- feel you just right. become aware of it it stops info, uh, new info, it really does help stop a lot of new information from coming in unless you focus on the information and data you have but that's all depends on dosage and strand that you actually do yeah so i've heard sativa and what indica is that the other yeah. big mm-hmm. yeah so um they say if you're if you have problems on one try the other or vice versa i've Correct. been recommended uh different ones i i forget which what the recommendations were but and it all depends on what you want to do so if you want like a like a weed to, uh, or a marijuana or cannabis that gets you to like i want something you know to i'd like to be um to be moving moving around so I, I, there's a, there's strands that like you know helps you keep active just gives you like that nice soft body buzz so you don't feel like your joints hurting or stuff like that mm-hmm. and you keeps you up and moving you know right then if you want like no i want to smoke something that's going to make me relax let my muscles finally relax so i don't get that tightness out of my back and stuff like that there's where want there's strains that do that. Yeah, the person that I was talking to, because I I will admit that in the past I actually um, during the divorce. I mean, anybody who's gone through divorce and I was going through therapy, and I mean, you were around. I was nuts, <laughs> and I called my doctor and I was like, "Listen, uh, I have been told that you can do something a little extra for uh, old Uncle Chris," and they prescribed me clonopin. And I took it without really knowing, like, oh, that's some dangerous stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I never abused it. I never took more than I was supposed to or anything like that. And I really do think that that, like, because of that overwhelming period of stress, it, like, for the first time, it, like, lifted me out of the divorce grief for the first time after three years. Yeah, that first time I took it, I was on, like, it was, like, laughing gas. I was, like, on cloud nine. Um, but it was great because it just kind of took all the stress out of my body. It was, mm-hmm. it was just like, you don't want to abuse it because then you get seizures and it's just really like dangerous stuff. Like it, it, when I read it, I was like, I can't believe I took this. I didn't even talk to the doctor. He just had the nurse on the telephone, type it into C, send it to CVS. I'm like, yeah, I can't believe I took this without like, I think my doctor should like, give me some instructions and say, hey, by the way, if you abuse this, it could go really wrong. Um, mm-hmm. And it seems to be much, much more dangerous than weed. I mean, based on the hundreds of friends that I've seen over the years that I've been high. Uh, but it, it is, it was nice where it's like, all right, it kind of erases your stress and I slept better and, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's, I guess there's some where you just kind of like, you're more focused through the day because you're not anxious Correct, but, yeah. And that's all depends on dosage. Like, a nice low dosage of it, yeah, it does help with your anxiety. Yeah. I mean, for me, I feel like those signals, I don't drink. I've never mm-hmm. had a drop of alcohol. I've never wanted to drink. I've never been curious about being... I wouldn't say I've never been curious, but, like, to me, putting poison in your body intentionally, it's just like, no, thanks. Uh, it's part of the reason I stopped eating so many Twinkies. Look out, boys. He's curious. <laughs> But um, no, but I think the the thing about it is that I've always wanted to be sober because I don't want to constantly dull the pain. I think if you're constantly dulling those signals from your body, 
then you know I I think I would I would start you know with a vape pen or smoking or edibles or whatever and I would just I would become I I would become dulled to the stuff that I kind of need to to go to the next level right like I think if you have some level of anxiety then you need to stop and go why do I have this anxiety what's going on and then you fix it well that if if your anxiety can be solved with like be uh, like behavior sure you know behavioral therapy can solve some some yeah. people's anxiety some people cannot and need something to because it's a chemical imbalance right you know so marijuana marijuana or cannabis helps them yeah now that's my own personal deal like i'm not the type of person who like i have very but, strict conservative viewpoints of how i should conduct my life mm-hmm but that doesn't mean that, um, you know, I care how you conduct your life. You know what I mean? I, like, I'm, I'm I don't not, understand, like, the whole conservative viewpoint of that, you know, inviving in, you know, cannabis is not, you know, can't be a conservative viewpoint. Um, you I, ta- I think uh, it's because, because of what? Drunkenness? Drunkenness is very, yeah. you know, that's, come on. It's on the it's on the exact same spend you versus smoking this. That. I, I'm not and I'm not saying conservative in the political aspect. Yeah. I'm saying conservative in that uh, just more reserved, more. Yeah, I think for me, it's being sober minded. I think that being being aware of your surroundings, like if you're an adult mm-hmm. and you can handle it, cool. But if you think about it, like I've had several friends kind of go to college that are younger, that are you know listeners, and I'm like. You need to watch alcohol because if you think about your past, right, listener, think about your past, the worst situations that happened to you in your life, usually alcohol was involved, you know? And so for me as a young man who had ambitious goals, it was like, I never want to put myself in a position where something bad might happen because I recognized early on from family and friends that it was like okay they're doing really dumb stuff and it's because they're too drunk or they're drinking or they're this is a crutch so like don't give yourself that option like if you don't know what it's like then you don't know what you're missing right so that was always my choice that's always why i've made that choice and i you know i say like listen if you're an adult and you go out and you have a beer or three beers and you can handle it cool but like binge drinking people our age like people at thirty five, we don't binge drink. Like you know, maybe yeah, they're, no, yeah. you know, maybe Aaron. But like other than that, I know what you're talking about? Than, it's a very responsible. Other uh, than boss hog at a pool party, you know. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, people our age at this point, you're you're done binge drinking. But yeah, you get a lot of people get it out of their system in their early twenties. You right. know, yeah, you know, I like beer. I drink beer. <laughs> right. You know, I, I have been known to beer bong or two or been able to clear a boot of beer myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, you're right. You don't binge drink anymore. I have. You know, it's, uh, you know, it was the thing to do, especially on spring break. And that's what everyone was doing. And that's why alcohol is such a very dangerous drug. Right. Because of the the encouragement of um, overdosing and dosing up. Yeah. So like one beer is a dose, a shot's a dose and stuff like that. These are doses that people are taking. And these hangovers and stuff like that, these are people who have been overserved or overdosed, you know? Right. And, you know, we encourage people like, yo, come on, drink up, have another one. We have songs about it. You know, if I have one, I'm going to have 14. You're going to over, you know, you just dose up to 14, you know? And granted, people in marijuana talk about like that, but there's completely different. So you're inhaling or eating, ingesting something that doesn't impact your liver as much. Right. And that's the biggest issue with alcohol is that the actual clear proven damage to the liver. 
Right. It is. It's a very dangerous sub, sub, uh, substance. It's the world's most dangerous drug. Yeah. Because we, we just allow it, and it's everywhere. It's everywhere. We push it. We you get. It's advertised. It's awful. It's dangerous. Any person who says, you know, like, they don't like marijuana, you know, it was like, well, come on. It's not, it, it's on the same scale as, like, it's with, when it comes to booze, it's like, come on, this is, it's, it, it's a non, it's a, it's a non-starter. It's a complete non-starter because they're just not being honest with themselves. Well, let's, let's start with prohibition. Okay. Okay. Let's start with, let's start there because, you know, talking about this conservative lifestyle versus this more loose lifestyle, liberal lifestyle, I guess. Um, Degeneracy. Yeah. So people, people look at marijuana use as if it's immoral, you know, or maybe it's unchristian to do marijuana, to do the marijuana, to have a couple marijuana cigarettes. Is that what the kids call them these days? Uh, jazz cabbage, actually. Jazz cabbage. Okay. All right. Um, so I think there's the the idea, especially in older generations, that uh, somehow what is legal is moral and what is illegal is immoral. Now, Harry, do you believe that legality equals morality? Let's see. No. No, it does not. Because, well, I don't know. Owning slaves, very moral because it was legal. But then when it became illegal, that's that's the moment it became immoral, right? Right. Right? It's yes. the moment. The, that's the moment. Like, whoa, man. I, I mean, the, the laws passed to ship Jews and train cars to Auschwitz was legal. Yeah, it was legal. Did that make it moral? Serving alcohol... Uh, on Sunday in a grocery store between noon and eight was illegal last year. Right. <laughs> this year, serving uh, buying alcohol at the liquor store, you can now purchase alcohol in Indiana on Sundays between what hours? Noon and eight. So it is only moral uh-huh. between noon and 8 p.m. to right. buy alcohol in, in Indiana. Yeah. It, it is immoral before noon. Correct. From must, midnight to noon. Yeah. Immoral. Go to church and then get out and right. then get your booze and go home. Right. So there, you know, there are many things that are immoral that aren't illegal necessarily. Uh, lying, you know, there are instances of perjury or adultery. There are uh, adultery laws, or you could you can even in, in terms of gluttony, for instance, idolatry is the sin. Like if mm-hmm. you're if you're from a Judeo Christian background, if you've read Exodus lately, idolatry is like the. <laughs> and I have read Exodus because I'm in Exodus and my once a day Bible. Okay. Um, yeah. So most people are probably near Revelation at this point in their one a day Bible. I'm in Exodus. Nice, uh, nice. But uh, you'll shout get out, there one day. Shout out to all of those who made it to February hmm. in their one a day. Uh, but um, you know, idolatry is the is the greatest immoral immorality there is in in Christian and Judeo Christian teaching. Um, but those, you know, it's not, in fact, idolatry is cur- encouraged under the law. Correct. Say the pledge. Yeah. Stand up and put your hand over your heart. Mm-hmm. Um, so morality and legality are not necessarily the same thing. Um, so, in fact, the basis of libertarian thought is that you own your own body. Correct. Right. So there, it is immoral for me to tell Harry how he ought to live. So just because I don't believe that I should drink and I have a problem with drinking, it is immoral for me to use force to keep Harry from drinking. Correct. Even manipulating Harry is wrong. Correct. So because Harry has the ability to think for himself and he owns his own body, and the only 
time that force is justified is when you're defending that right. So like if if I come and I put a gun to Harry's head and then try to make him drink alcohol, he he can shoot me. You can sh- kill me, can't you? Yeah, I can defend myself. I don't have to kill you, but right. I can defend myself. No, yes. But please would you? <laughs> so but, yeah and that whole like the front of the change behavior that's also what goes in the same line where it's the idea of we're going to tax you so you don't do this the, the syntax that's the, right. the exact same thing that's immoral to like we're going to change the way you act because we don't want you to smoke cigarettes we don't want you to do this sin so we're going to tax you to try to right. manipulate you to change your behavior. That's why there's 1,100 different tax breaks that Harry has as a married man that I don't have as a single man. Yeah. is because the government wants to encourage you to get married to because pre- yeah, conservatives yeah. want to use the tax code to preserve marriage. Yeah. I may pay six grand a year on daycare, but man, I'm tax breaks for just having a kid. Mm. <laughs> it was a good year. Mm. <laughs> I may claim you on my next tax. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, sir. You claimed ten thousand dependents. I'm like, have you ever hosted a libertarian podcast? These people are all dependents. Yeah, all but dependents. <laughs> and need, yeah, These uh, are all my children. So prohibition is essentially the threat of force. That if you do something that the government says can't be done, then they're going to kill you. Correct. Uh, and if you think I'm making it up, as I was studying for World War One, I, I found out this little gem. 10,000 Americans were killed by the U.S. government as Woodrow Wilson ordered poison to be put into alcohol. Yes. So the American government killed 10,000 innocent American citizens because they drank liquor. Yes. That's why, like, when people go, like, well, I don't think the U.S. government did this. Like, that's not a far stretch over less than 100 years ago. Sometimes it's like, you know what they've done? Yeah. Have you heard of eugenics? Yeah. Eugenics. Look up the history of Planned Parenthood. Or permanently putting poison into, you know, alcohol so we can, like, this get these people. I'll make sure to put it in the show notes so you can check the link for yourself. Uh, But, yeah, I mean, prohibition was essentially the government using the threat of death yeah. To make sure that people didn't do a certain thing. If you were to smoke weed, look at look at look at this at this this way. I'm very skippy tonight. Uh, that's all, folks. Um, think of it this way: if you get caught with weed, like I was, I, I've mentioned this on the program, uh, hanging out with a friend. She was like, we were talking at the pool. Mm-hmm. She was she just turned 19. She'd got busted for weed, and she's like, my whole life is over. Like, your whole life is not over. But to her, it's like the worst thing in the world, and she's got, you know, she had to go to court, and, you know, you get caught with a plant, she's hurting nobody. Correct. She was sitting in a park, doing nothing, and had some weed on her, and now she she had to pay, I think it was $5,000 to avoid a felony. Yeah. And have her life ruined because of a plant. Well, the police department needs a new car. Right. Exactly right. Um, so since possessing or using marijuana or any substance cannot directly harm another person, there is no justification for its prohibition. So even if the usage of marijuana may be immoral in someone's view, it shouldn't be illegal because it doesn't harm someone else when you use it. Correct. Uh, so what about those cases of people who say, um, well, what if this guy starts using marijuana and he gets high and he beats his wife well that's not the drug's fault that is the individual's fault and uh, they will be held to they will be held for the crimes that they actually commit where they're hurting another person 
Correct. And in that side of a, uh, in that side of a logic or motive, we can use that to ban all kinds of different things. Right. You know, you know, why stop with a plant? If we can get ban the plant, then we can ban the gun. We can ban the car. Right. And that's exactly right. Prohibition backfires every time because even if you were trying to curb that behavior with a predictive, you're, you've taken the scenario and you've you've mined what mm-hmm. was the movie with Tom Cruise? You've minority reported it. Yeah. Like if we ban drugs, then all of a sudden crime will disappear. We have two very distinct eras in American history where that doesn't work. Prohibition, which saw the rise of the Italian and um, the Irish gangs mm-hmm. and during Prohibition and then also the rise of Latin American gangs and just gangs, period, of, right. of any ethnicity during the drug war. Mm-hmm. And you see full-scale war happening over the American drug trade in all of South America. Correct. Yeah. Which causes chaos in a lot of these uh, countries over there. And because that is the cash crop and this is, these are, you know, basically millions and billion dollar industry in Latin America. So they are, they're out funding, you know, any police organization or even their governments in Latin America. Yeah. And that's why they care. Like, why can't they get control of it? They're outspent. They're outspent. The police are outspent 10 to one. Right. And that's there's a great article in the show notes called The Twelve Bad Effects of Prohibition by Daniel Florian. And he talks about corruption, organized crime, economic mm-hmm. disaster, um, prevented alcoholics from getting help because people couldn't come forward and say that they were alcoholics. Yeah. We've seen that with the drug war where opioid addicts mm-hmm. don't feel comfortable coming forward because they feel like I might get in trouble for having opioids. It's extremely expensive for everyone getting involved. Everyone that is involved, the prices go up because you've created a black market. And the government, it skyrockets. Taxes increase because of enforcement. Mm-hmm. And then it made alcohol more dangerous. Correct. And we've seen that with street drugs now. Mm-hmm. You've seen them get more dangerous over time. And that's just because when you have a market, the government will, will self-regulate. In a free market or even in uh, mar- in the economy that we have and the government would regulate it, it'd, it'd be um, safer, presumably. But Well, yeah, you got you can you have reviewers just like the Silk Road tried to do. Just have reviewers like, hey, right. you know, this guy is no, just do not buy from this guy. This guy sells bad booju, right? right? And the other thing of things aren't prevented. So, so Air- ha- Airbnb for weed yeah. or... Well, yeah. the same thing that happened in Russia, right? They stopped all the poppy seeds so like, you know, they couldn't get their heroin and everything else into Russia. So w- the earth, for some god-awful reason, got birth crocodile. <sighs> oh, that stuff's awful. Man. Yeah. You know, battery acid just eating people's flesh because they need to get high. They, these people wanted to get high. They liked getting higher heroin. They couldn't get it, so someone created something. Well, and that's precisely to the, fill the need. Yeah, so you you ban marijuana, and then all of a sudden people start using cocaine, and then cocaine gets banned. So then people start using crack. You ban mm-hmm. crack, and then so people start using meth, and then meth they start cracking down on that, and the opioids start spreading, yep. and then they crack down on that. So heroin jumps. Well, like even like that, it was like, well, it's a gateway. Like no, no, even with marijuana, they even had like what is that K two and that spice stuff that people started using. Right. Yeah, the simulated marijuana. The people Synth- got yeah the synthetics. Yeah. You know? uh, even they get into even huffing. <laughs> yeah, huffing glue. Right. Yeah, huffing glue. And if you don't think that like whippets or mm-hmm. huffing the air can, Yo, like yeah. the sprayer stuff, mm-hmm. like oof, that stuff's brutal. Yeah, that's literally you are damaging your brain at that point. Yeah. So 
what we're what we're saying is that it's an ever escalating amount of consequences when you start outlawing things. Yeah, back to the um, overspending and spending thing. Back in the prohibition era of the. Uh, in the United States, right? You, the gangs at the time, right? They didn't have all these car, like everyone just like look at like these cars. Like the reason why they everyone said like it was cool to be a gangster. You have to understand like the original Italian gangs. They didn't, they had money, but they didn't have money like that. Not not like right. when it came with alcohol. When they, when they finally started getting alcohol before that, yeah, a couple of them had a car maybe, and but they didn't have these all these guns. They had sticks and bats and stuff like that. And then the alcohol money came in. Then they got suits. Then they got cars. They got boot. Then they got the guns, and then then that's when the police department really started to you know it was like the police were corrupt. You know they corrupting the police officers, but you got to understand the police officers were walking around with five shooting revolvers and they had M1 Thompsons. Right. So why do you think alcohol is legal and marijuana is not? Alcohol's an old man drug. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because there's really no moral difference between the two. At least right now. That's not the original banning of marijuana is for. Right. Which but we'll like, get into in a moment. We'll yeah. t- explain why. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're looking at it right now, alcohol is far more likely to interact with drugs. Mm-hmm. Alcohol is far more likely to be overdosed on. Alcohol is far mm-hmm. more likely. I mean, it's it's it, it's just such a, it's way more dangerous. And, and there's really no difference between like from a moral or a legal perspective, why you'd have one legal and the other not? Correct. Yeah, alcohol is very dangerous, especially with o- OTCs, uh, over-the-counter drugs, and um, any other drug. Like especially if it, it especially like antidepressants stuff like that, because it, it messes with your 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 liver, and that's where alcohol goes, and that's and that's why we have like liver uh, sources of the liver. You know, it's. So marijuana doesn't do that. It's not where it goes. So it doesn't mess with people's livers. So it's safer interaction, you know, when it comes to other drugs. Yeah, it plays nice. Yeah, and so- the, like I said, like so, you, more of the places that where marijuana has been or starting to get legalized is a lot of more younger crowd that is there that do or vote that are active, or they have a younger prime minister. Yeah, I mean, even here in Indiana, they've talked about it. The Chamber of Commerce here. Which uh, the Chamber of Commerce was formed during World War One as a way mm-hmm. for Woodrow Wilson and Herbert Hoover and the administration to manipulate American business for the government's ends. Yes. So, yeah. FYI, um, but the uh, the Chamber of Commerce has opposed it, and it's because the drugs, uh, uh, like the amount of insurance companies and drug makers, Eli Lilly, mm-hmm. Anthem. Uh, and then even uh, medical technology like Cook, Depew, they're all here in Indiana. And so they have gone to the Chamber of Commerce to lobby against it. So Indiana will not get legal marijuana or even medical marijuana for a very long time because of business interests. Correct. Which is exactly why it was originally outlawed. I mean, so let's go through the history of actually why it, it is banned. Because when you hear this, you'll go, wow, okay, this is corrupt as hell but welcome to your government uh so cannabis up until the 20th century was legal in the united states and was sold at drug stores mm-hmm. it was hashish is what it was called and it was mainly sold in the liquid form or a candy form over the counter and then there was hemp and it was derived from cannabis and it was widely used to make rope and clothes and many other products gasoline mm-hmm. many of the early cars were uh, run on hemp you know here in indiana we can have three hemp crops a year and one corn crop a year 
so for Indiana farmers, for instance, it'd be a boon as opposed to burning burning corn. Um, yeah. And Joe Donnelly told us backstage, mm-hmm. our our current United States senator who lost. He said that hemp is actually legalized, legal to grow in the new farm bill that's being proposed. So if that passes, then hemp could actually be legal. Um, So it was believed that widespread use of cannabis for recreational purposes was very low as it was primarily an over-the-counter medicine presumably used as an alternative medicine. So it was more of a holistic, uh, you know, the lady who had the three Himalayan salt lamps used marijuana. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a why are you looking at me like I'm insulting half of our uh, female <laughs> audience? Um, you know, the lady that believed in horoscopes. Mm-hmm, I'm mm-hmm. thinking my friend Caitlin. Uh, <laughs> so, so the idea of... Salt lamp makes me relax. Oh, sorry. <laughs> so the idea of smoking cannabis, uh, you know, in joints was actually introduced in the early 20th century by refugees from Mexico who were fleeing the Mexican Revolution. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was a plant, and they called it marijuana. So uh, <laughs> it was basically spelled the same with an H instead of a J, but I'm going to call it marijuana. 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 Wana. And uh, so large numbers of people came in from the south part of the country. Oh. I know, it's getting scary. These distant landers, ooh, ooh, these invaders ooh. from the south who had browner skin. Brown uh, Europeans. Triggered xenophobia, and people basically started making a big deal about all the Mexicans moving in. You know, eventually you get Cesar Chavez. Uh, so part of the reactionary uh, knee-jerk reaction from the federal government was to regulate marijuana. So um, this is actually from Business Insider. So Henry, I'm going to call him Aslinger, uh, Aslinger. Uh, okay. His name was An- Anslinger. Anslinger. Harry Anslinger was the commissioner of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics from 1930 to 1962. So for 32 years, this guy was the head of the narcotics division. Uh, 1930, mm, gee, wonder who was president during that uh, period. It, I think that was actually probably Hoover, who was just as bad as Wilson and FDR. Uh, So Harry Anslinger took the scientifically unsupported idea of marijuana as a violence-inducing drug. He connected it to black and Hispanic people and created a perfect package of terror to sell the American media and public. By emphasizing the Spanish word marijuana instead of cannabis, he created a strong association between the drug and the newly arrived Mexican immigrants who helped popularize it in the States. He created a narrative also around the idea that cannabis made black people forget their place in society. And so 1930, obviously, you have a very tight, you're, you're in the middle of the Great Depression. Right. And so when people are feeling the squeeze economically, they mm-hmm. blame immigrants. They blame immigrants here and they blame them uh, uh, over, over uh, across the seas. And so when these immigrants came in from the other, from Mexico... Uh, and you have to remember, we had a very tight immigration system uh, at that point because in the twenties, the immigration uh, it was it was changed, kind of cut uh, cut out the massive immigration from Ireland and Italy and Germany that you'd had in the late and early eighteen uh, hundreds and nineteen hundreds, and so people wanted to uh, find reasons to keep immigrants down and keep them from stealing their opportunities because they were economically hurting. And so marijuana was a tool 
to keep that population of Mexicans from getting ahead. Because if you criminalize it, then you can arrest them and deport them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and that has continued to this day. Yep. And investigate them. Go to their towns and have increased police presence around them to make them feel uncomfortable. Right. And so once you look at the timeline, let's go through the exact timeline here. You'll see that it isn't just about drugs. You have to take in economic factors, societal factors, the the uh, people that are in charge at that time. And you'll see over time kind of when grov- government grows here. So 1906, the Pure Food and Drug Act is passed. This required medicine and companies to list cannabis as the ingredient to any given product. In 1907, California, in compliance with the Poison Act of 1907, it lists cannabis as a poison. California is always the source of all our ills. Uh, 1925, at the International Opiate Conventional, exportation of Indian hemp, hashish, and other derivatives is banned. Um, In 1930, the Federal Bureau of Narcotics is established, led by the newly appointed Harry Anslinger, its task was to enforce laws penet- pertaining to recreational drugs, including opiates, cocaine, and marijuana. So it's 1930 when drugs really start to, uh, they're, they're an issue. And once they become an issue, no, like, do you really hear many stories in the 1800s of people who were doing drugs? Now, of course, everybody had to, like, grow their food. Yeah, grow food. They barely had weekends. Right. So uh, I don't think they had weekends yet. But uh, no, no day. No, yeah, they didn't have weekends. They didn't have no days off. Right. It's 1936, the Geneva Trafficking Conventions, Anslinger representing the U.S. government, proposed an international prohibition of distribution, cultivation, and possession of all derivatives of cannabis, not medical or scientific. So there was an exception for medical marijuana at that point. Uh, so they did see, so let's use our logic, let's deduce that they saw some medical benefit in marijuana, which yeah. is why there was an initial exemption in this. He called upon member countries to use their criminal justice systems to take punitive action on anyone found in violation. Many countries disagreed with the U.S. focus and wanted to concentrate resources on drug trafficking. So in 1936, which we'll hear why this was a, a big deal, um, in 1936, they're focusing on marijuana. The American government is fo- focusing on marijuana while everybody else is focusing on harder drugs and drug trafficking and the criminals that go along with drug trafficking. So why were they focused on marijuana? 1960s. 1936. 1936? Yes, so that's uh, FDR. Mm-hmm. But in 1937, the Marijuana Tax Act is passed. And this is where you're going to discover who was behind the push to outlaw all this. This effectively banned possession or transfer of marijuana, making it a federal offense. The act also imposed a draconian tax on physicians using cannabis on patients and manufacturers that produced products made of hemp. So, in 1937, you could no longer use it as medicine. And hemp products were completely outlawed despite hemp having absolutely no THC compounds, which will not get you high if it has no THC compounds. At the same time, Anslinger began a campaign to turn the public against cannabis by demonizing it, not only to disrupt the cultural minority communities, but to destroy the hemp industry. So big business, the media, and the government colluded to destroy a product, two products, 
marijuana for recreational use, and hemp. Uh, it well-connected business magnates, including Andrew Mellon, William Randolph Hearst, and Henry DuPont, saw the elimination of the hemp industry as an opportunity to invest and profit from more expensive alternatives, such as nylon, which uncoincidentally was developed by the DuPont family, or paper, uh, or trees, trees and paper for rope, uh, which William... Um, uh, William Randolph Hearst owned many of the newspapers and magazines in the country, and so he was able to really uh, you gen up a lot of public terror against all of this. He made people afraid of marijuana, and he, lo and behold, owned a lot of paper mills. Oh, no. mm. The DuPont family was in chemicals. Andrew Mellon was banking, so he was friends, and he was also, at one point, the Treasury Secretary. So when we talk about Facebook later... Remember this, big business, mm-hmm. government, and their lackeys in the media trying to kill off a business that they see as competitors. Um, so mandatory sen- sentencings in 52 and 56, a sentence of 2 to 10 years and a fine of $20,000 for first-time offenders for possession of marijuana is introduced. So in two, $20,000 in 50s money, that's a lot. <sighs> Uh, which is a lot like you know hundred thousand dollars for a Napster fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Controlled Substances Act of 1970, the Marijuana Tax Act eventually was deemed unconstitutional and repealed because of a violation of the Fifth Amendment. The government's response was to pass under Richard Nixon the Controlled Substances Act. This assigned schedules to drugs. Marijuana was classified as a Schedule One, meaning a high abuse potential and no medical use. This prohibited all forms of cannabis use. So in 1970, Richard Nixon classifies it marijuana, the same as cocaine, methamphetamines, and heroin. Correct. And um, while I look for an article, Harry, give us your thoughts on all this. (laughs) (laughs) Let's see, Nixon around that time. But at that time, he was also using that to go after certain different people and elements that he didn't want to uh, deal with in the government. Right, exactly. Yeah. So he w- using this to demonize and go after members of the uh, Black Panther Party mm-hmm. and using this to investigate and fish and go after political enemies. You are uh, explaining the article that I was looking up. I wanted to make sure that I got this. This is from Tom Lobianco at CNN. Now, I know it's CNN, but I know Tom Lobianco. Lobianco is from here in Indiana. Mm-hmm. The CNN has employed Eric Bradner and uh, Tom Lobianco from Indiana. They're two fine, fine reporters, great guys as well. And so uh, one of Richard Nixon's top advisors and a key figure in the Watergate scandal said the war on drugs was created as a political tool to fight blacks and hippies, according to a 22-year-old interview recently published in Harper's Magazine. The Nixon campaign in 1968 and the Nixon White House after that had two enemies, the anti-war left and black people. Former domestic policy chief John Ehrlichman told Harper's writer Dan Baum for the April cover story, You understand what I'm saying. We knew we couldn't make it illegal to be either against the war or black, but by getting the public to associate the hippies with marijuana and blacks with heroin. And then criminalizing both heavily, we could disrupt those communities, Ehrlichman said. We could arrest their leaders, raid their homes, break up their meetings, and vilify them night after night on the evening news. Did we know we were lying about the drugs? Of course we did. So that is the former 
co-chief of staff, essentially, for mm-hmm. Richard Nixon. That's it nice. Stings. It stings when you hear it, but right. it's... <laughs> but it's everything that you know about politics. It's just, you know... Like, yeah. We, we know this is how they think. So that is why marijuana is a Schedule One drug. It is because Richard Nixon wanted to be... Uh, he wanted to make being black and against the war uh, illegal. Uh, let's see. So... Um, the, then we kind of, so eventually, and and this was 20 years ago, I mean, it was always kind of like 20 years ago when I started getting interested in politics, 15 years ago when I was really getting engaged for the first time, you know, the campaign of 2008, when I, when I started working for the Libertarian Party, we actively told candidates, do not talk about marijuana because it is seen as a fringe topic for libertarians and mm-hmm. it is to this day if you, you you watch twitter during a televised debate and the libertarian brings up hemp or pot you know the the republicans all make fun of it mm. even the young ones and you're like you're smoking weed right now while you're watching this yeah. if you're a republican under 40 I, like the thing that i never could understand harry when i became an adult is how many people use drugs right like i just assumed everybody in their college years did drugs and then stopped nope no it's like Half of the adults I know smoke weed. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be shocked of how many people actually do smoke weed. Right. You know, you can. Yeah. Because most people, most adults, you know, they try not to tell anyone, especially in a work environment. But you get them away from that. Yeah. You will find out a lot of them do occasionally to take occasional toke. And the thing, the sad thing about it when it comes to politics is that here in Indiana, you're right about the how many crops of hemp that we can do can do. And it just shows that we, Indiana, and farmers in general are missing out on that cash crop because of other, you know, other factors. Right. We're going to lag behind. Um, hemp is going to boom. Canada went. So many other different states have gone as well. And you're just going to mess up. You're going to be last in line. Right. So it is. Uh, it is now a Schedule One. And many states, federally, it is still Schedule One. Yeah. And so, what's happening around the the states is is federalism. <laughs> so, a state like Colorado is saying, "We are uh, we are going to make marijuana Ill- or, or make it legal, at mm-hmm. least medical marijuana now. Recreational uses being uh, opened up, and there's been parameters. But I have not seen Harry on the local news or any of the news sites massive crime increases." In Colorado, California, Michigan, Washington, D- well, nah, that's, that's for other reasons. But as <laughs> marijuana was as marijuana was made legal in these states, I didn't see anything but new industry growing up. Correct. I saw business. I didn't see crime. Yeah. A lot of business has gone up. Like Now, granted, and a lot of people in a lot of population has flocked to Colorado. Right. So the crime has gone up based off how many people are actually are there now. Right. So it's... So it technically has gone down, but it looks like if you just look at the figures, like, well, there's more people that live there now. It's completely reshaped the politics of the place. It's now blue state. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, and and medical use is so when it first go ahead. But it it's put Colorado in a good spot because at one point of time, Colorado, no one wanted to live in Colorado. No one wanted to go there. 
<laughs> Everyone wanted to go there to visit. It was really cool. We're going to go there to ski, right. and then we're getting the hell out. Okay. <laughs> and so they basically had a young person problem. You know, the exact same brain drain issue Indiana's have, you know, has, has, and it's going to continue having. Right. But instead of doing something ass backward dumb old school bull crap thing like doing a red line or doing other things and they red decide, line meaning mass transit yeah mass transit nobody's gonna use no one's gonna use this bull crap it's like we're gonna use this to attract millennials that's no they don't care about that they want low taxes and weed yeah <laughs> leave me on leave me alone ism right leave alone okay you know low taxes and weed that's going to that, be my governor's yeah. slogan and well the and so that has solved a lot of the problem of colorado if no one it seems like hardly anyone remembered that that time when colorado was just hurting hurting for like just people to come there and work right now no no they're like no you know the un, uh, unemployment's high there because there's so many people there they're like well yeah they're full they're full uh, so let's, this is actually kind of an interesting fact. So what I was saying is when I got involved in politics, nobody talked about marijuana. It was still very illegal, very in the dark. Everybody did it, but nobody talked about it. Uh, it was crappy weed smuggled in from Mexico. Now it's, you know, smuggled across state lines. And, uh, so it's still schedule one at the federal level, but that's why, you know, and so you had all these like you had crime of robbery because people go in and steal all the cash because they couldn't put it in federal banks. Correct. Um, and so it's still, it, it's a great case of federalism. And so Trump is actually as a ploy for 2020 reelection talking about removing it from schedule one. Hillary Clinton actually advocated this during the campaign. Let's take it from schedule one. She was going to make it like two or three, mm-hmm. so she wasn't going to decriminalize it federally, but she was like, so then at least it can be studied in universities. We can see what the effects are before we do anything. We don't want you to have too much freedom, so we're going to let the universities, which are all my fans, right, uh, benefit and profit from uh, the, the weed trade before we allow you to have freedom, you little people. And uh, so <clears throat> the... Um, these states have benefited greatly from it. But the way that they snuck it in was through medical marijuana. And I always thought this was brilliant because I always just thought it was kind of BS. Mm-hmm. Like I always thought medical marijuana was like a good back, you know, and, and you kind of see this with CBD oil. It's like literally every person like I had gonorrhea AIDS and it cured it when I took three <laughs> drops of CBD oil. Um, it's like I it works wraps uh but uh, it does actually help people with nausea and mm-hmm. with uh, inflammation and other uh, other various things and that's because it's from the same plant as it's from cannabis basically cannabis uh cannabinoid what's the yeah. b in it i have no idea bitchin cannabinoid bitchin oil that's what it is uh, I will. why don't you google that uh look it i up. do not google it duck duck look, go it. look it up on the dog pile duck duck go okay and uh so so now you have these states, but they, they, they kind of, you know, it was a, sort of a brilliant way to, they, they'd roll sick people into, into all these hearing rooms. And I don't mean to like be flipping about it, but that, that was the strategy. Find the sickest people you can and take them to the legislature and have them testify instead of the dude who just wants to get high. You know, the staffers are all in back going, yeah, man, we, we, we all get high, but we don't want to tell our boss that. Uh, and then, what does it stand for? <clears throat> Cannabidiol. 
you are no help whatsoever. No, that is Canada but but, but dial. It's can, uh, yeah. Canada butt dial is what yeah, you came Canada up. by dial. You came back with Canada butt dial oil. <laughs> yeah, you are no help. Sir. I'm the the best of help. <laughs> okay, Trump Junior. Yeah. Like I have the best words. Nobody is a better help than I am. I have the greatest words. Of all the, all the best words. I was just uh, talking to the uh, people. They said I help out the best. <laughs> the king of the people. And I was uh, talking about how much I help. And I was like, yeah, everyone knows I help out the best. <laughs> okay, so cannabinoid, uh, Canada butt dial oil. And uh, cannabinoidal, I think is how you say it. Um, I'm sure we will get 700,000 emails. There are just a few topics where if you talk about... Um, I don't. I, I really didn't like the CBD doing CBD oil. I, I didn't like the taste. I don't know. I felt took my edge off. I yeah. don't like it. Well, that's Ma- like your that's your thing. You got edge. Yeah, it's Mister yeah. Edge. You know, just edge lord and all over the place around here. It was. Um, you don't want to remove that. It did make the. Yeah, uh, you know, did help focus me a little bit because like uh, I was being like you know, go off on the deep end on thought. Right. That was okay. Not apparently during this show. Oh, no, I haven't taken it yet. Yeah. yeah. I finally had him sitting at work, and the engineer was just like, we need you to focus and not stop going crazy. <laughs> uh, you'd be so annoying to work with. No, I'm not. Oh, I, I think you'd be so annoying. You would love me. I'm, I am I love you regardless, but I think I w- you and Jeremiah I'd never want to work for. Like, I'd want to work for Nice because he's fun, mm-hmm. but you're mm-hmm. very type A. You're just, oh, this is how I believe we ought to do it. And uh, if you do it the other way, you're fired. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) I will at least explain why your way sucks. Right. But we're still doing it my way. Right, exactly. (laughs) So you you have the freedom to think for yourself, but not to do for yourself. (laughs) Right. You have the freedom to do it the right way. I, I would never, I, I would never ever be in any kind of situation or a project with you other than the way it is right now, where the power balance tips in my favor because I'm generous. I, I'm, I think every know. project we have done, uh, I was never like that with you. No, you're just, you know, you. You clearly have not taken my suggestion in putting this in the spare room that no one uses. Right. Your your ideas include hanging drywall in my rental unit here, this apartment that I have. Yeah. And then also moving my bed into the main room so my podcast studio can be the bedroom. Uh, you mean podcast room. <laughs> Ridiculous. All right. So back to weed. Um, so mar- medical marijuana was a great kind of, I mean, I'm not going to say it was a Trojan horse because it has legitimate benefits, but it was a great way to kind of message it initially Correct. crack the door open for freedom and then rush it on through mm-hmm. everywhere else as as uh, the demographics changed. And so I think if you can look at it and you could say, okay, what are the demographics? How will they shift as Gen Z and millennials become the power base? What are other issues that we can really restore liberty and freedom in the United States or in our local communities? And how do we... How do we um, how do we make that happen? Because if we start now, by the time the boomers die off, we have a chance. Correct. Uh, so, you know, medical use, and this was fascinating from the research. Apparently, historically in Judaism, marijuana has been used uh, for many purposes, including worship. Um, 
it's been used in Shabbat candles. Uh, let's see here. Let's see. Sorry, I can't turn my page. Uh, clothing, rope, accessory, roofing materials. Its uh, use was prohibited during Passover in classically historic uh, Jewish literature, which implies it was used in food at other times. Uh, many different medicinal uses. Um, let's see. Even even uh, as the notes say, even the most hardcore anti-drinking Christian will allow for the use of alcohol for quote-unquote medicinal purposes, 1 Timothy 5.23. It does not stand to reason then that the same should be true for marijuana. In the 13th century, Pope the 21st, Pope John the 21st, who was also a physician, wrote books on medicine, which included a few medicinal uses for the hemp seed. Um, many different parts of the marijuana plant were used for medicinal purposes up until it was made illegal. The only person to speak against the Marijuana Tax Act of 1937 was a representative of the American Metal Association. So the only person saying, don't pass this, was the American Medical Association. In 1944, the New York Academy of Medicine produced a report saying marijuana was merely a mild intoxicant. The greatest proponents of marijuana prohibition, because it was so dangerous, were not doctors or miracle researchers, but the government. So They know best. Right. So what does uh, marijuana actually do? What are some of the things that medicinal marijuana actually helps with? Uh, pain relief, first and foremost. THC activates the pathways in the central nervous system, which work to block pain signals being sent to the brain. Uh, it has especially been, um, it has especially been useful in, I'm sorry, I've had work stuff going on, so I've been a little distracted, so I apologize. <laughs> it's not, uh, I'm going to just shut this here. Close it like that. They keep sending you messages uh, yeah. and say, go away. Yeah. Leave me alone. All right. You're like, okay, I just keep see the notifications popping up and I, I know I'm getting distracted. I'm off my game right now. Um, PTSD. So it helps with neuropathic pain. PTSD is another reason to use medical marijuana. The high from the THC is also associated with temporary impairments of memory. So while this may seem to be seen as a drawback for some users, impaired memory is often therapeutic for those who struggle to forget painful memories. Uh, it can help with flashbacks and agitation and nightmares if uh, they're taking oral doses of THC. Uh, it helps with nausea and vomiting. THC is available in pill form for treating nausea and vomiting in cancer patients, and it has been since the 1980s, actually. Uh, Marinol, a pill containing synthetic THC, was the first THC-based medication to be approved by the FDA. Since then, other THC pills have been developed and prescribed to patients undergoing chemotherapy, including a pill called Sesamet. Uh it's also been used as an appetite stimulant. Mm -hmm. Along with its ability to reduce nausea, THC can stimulate your appetite. Uh, it's prescribed to boost appetite in patients with cancer and HIV-associated wasting syndromes. That would be Marinol and Sesamet. Uh, number five, asthma. Treating asthma may not seem like an obvious use for medical marijuana, but as it turns out, it, it improves breathing um, and this is research that's supported back to the 70s that uh, shows this. Smoking marijuana can help calm asthma attacks. Scientists tried and failed to develop an inhaler that could, develop, could deliver THC, 
Now it's called a vape pen. Uh, <laughs> while, the, while the THC inhaler idea was ultimately abandoned. Ah, Hody writes, some say modern day vaporizers might be the solution. Uh, glaucoma, obviously. Uh, that's a, that's an old joke. This, in the 70s, THC eye drops showed some help and improvement. And then also sleep aid. Um, so a lot of research in the 70s found that oral doses of THC helped both healthy individuals and insomniacs fall asleep faster. Helps mm-hmm. with nighttime breathing, can help reduce sleep apnea. You know, and then you compare that to its fellow Schedule One drug, opioids, which is a widely prescribed drug. Uh, the side effects of opioid abuse are fairly varied, may include drowsiness, lethargy, paranoia, respiratory depression, nausea. These are all things that marijuana helps cure. Uh, so because of the high uh, produced by the interaction of several opiates in the brain, they're very addictive, and it can cause measurable symptoms of addi- addiction in under three days. Uh, one way to tell if somebody's addicted to opioids is if they have pinpoint pupils or you know just very tiny pupils. It's, it's one of the few things that you just can't – it's hard to disguise that. So if you're worried about a loved one, check their eyes. Um, it reduces your reaction times. It's, uh, it's just incredibly dangerous. So, you know, we, we have a drug that is prescribed by drug dealers in white coats that is very dangerous or a drug that you can go to the liquor store and buy. And it's, these are two legal substances that are far more dangerous than marijuana and pattern forming. And habit forming, yes, yeah. So, I mean, there's just not many deaths from directly from marijuana. I mean, in all the years, trust me, they're looking for one marijuana overdose to be in the news, to be everywhere. Yeah, I think like the few deaths they have of marijuana is either because someone you know got shot over it or was crushed to death by it. Right, it crushed them. So, uh, Harry, are you more or less likely to smoke weed now that uh, we've done the segment? Uh, By discussing these ideas out loud, have we driven uh, the youth of America, yourself, to drugs? No, no, I don't think we have driven. I think it just made someone more informed, more informed than like if they got from like their dare program. We didn't like <laughs> give any falsehoods or lie. Like this is what's going to happen to you, and then you're going to burn in hell. Right? No. <laughs> um, I think I think just think it's a no brainer. Like, to me, the society's moving that way. It's like gay marriage. The world didn't fall apart when the gays were allowed to marry. Uh, when you give people freedom, things, all these, uh, the, the people who have interests and use the government to enforce those interests try to scare us. Correct. And then the, the, this whole drug war, the whole the thing going after drugs, period, and marijuana is one of them. The reason why cops like going after marijuana, it's one of the few drugs that they can get a dog and they can find. Right. You're not finding cocaine. You're not finding these meth. You're not finding these pills because they're not, they don't come over to smell that a dog can smell, you know, right. can sniff up. So they're not finding it. So they have to search. It's, it's harder. It's harder. Right. Marijuana is easy to bust. Yeah. Any idiot with a, you know, with a nose can bust marijuana. I had to bust my neighbors. I don't you know? know if it's the ones below or above or both. Yeah, but, but any idiot can bust someone for marijuana. <laughs> you slide that door open right now, we'll bust them. Marijuana users are a little bit more passive than any other drug, so police going after marijuana is, is easier on them. Right. It's easier on them. The marijuana dealer is going to, you know, fold. 
Right. You know, they can put their hands up and get arrested. The cocaine dealer is going to respond back with their, um, like they said, you're outspent 10 to 1. Police yeah. officers are outspent to cocaine dealers 10 to 1. Yeah. So even if you hate the cocaine dealers, we're too bad. That's a billion dollar industry. And they're, it's a reason why you don't see them busted all the time. Right. It's a big reason. Well, the other thing that police use these things is fishing, ex- uh, fishing ex- uh, expeditions. So when you get pulled over, that's why they investigate your car. So all these, a lot of these people have like police are harassing me and doing this. Well, you know they are and they're not. They're also trying to also hunt for drugs because that's where they're towed for. They get the biggest bus for drugs because right. they can. They can also do civil asset forfeiture for drugs. So they're hoping they find some. Which so they, is what. What civil asset forfeiture is allowing the police officer to confiscate items that were meant for use in um, in crimes. So basically, this stack of cash, because you have weed on you, we believe is drug money. So the police officer is going to confiscate that money and give it to the police force. Right. This es- this Escalade, since it was used in this drug bus, you know, clearly is a drug delivery vehicle, and you know, the police department's going to take it. Right margarita machine you know what what have them <clears throat> so it causes a perverse incentive and allows the police officer to go and do different like that I, now like seems like i'm hampering on police but it's because they're going after something that is very goofy and easy right i like police not tires yeah. go after tires yeah people going after tires it's people who had their tires stolen need a, a police visit sooner than five weeks after the crime takes place or just simple fact of like be able to um Touch up on the people who that we know that are have maybe have a history of mental illness. Right. Check up on them. Yeah. You know, or these tire thing, or test a rape kit. Go after some rapists. <laughs> I don't know. Walk your neighborhood. No, no people are in it. There's other things to be going on than going after you know somebody it's, with a plant. And, and I hate when we pick on cops. Uh, although I, my new favorite meme set is where they're making cops gay bears. And then, then, like, they take gay bear uh-huh. porn scenes, and, like, yeah. after you've just busted, after you've just confiscated 15 guns, yeah. and they're kissing. Uh, yeah. uh, but the reality yeah. is that oh, I don't police want- are just executing what the legislatures Correct. have actually outlined, or Correct. what, yeah, what the local government, and those are people that you, you need to go, instead of giving the cops grief, you need to go, and you yes. need to lobby for freedom yeah. that's what you need to lobby yeah. for because those police officers they don't want to go after this marijuana it's easy but they, that's not what they want they wanted to, they, they gotten that job to help people right that's right yeah. but they were told their budgets were forced them and what they're told to go after you know because these other people who are using the drug bus for political means and they need the police officer to get these bus so they're going to because you know so they they give these police officers the perverse of absent perverse incentives yes Trust me, I have those words like surveillance. Yes. That's okay. I was getting Paul the other day with alacrity and... Uh, Alacrity's a hard one, yes. You know, but, um... And, and you... So you... And that's how you do Yes, you are correct. Vote vote for freedom. Yeah. Because, you know, let's like just city of Indianapolis got rid of their entire uh, car th- theft division to go after a plant. Right. All right, let's move on. Uh, let's move on to another business that is currently being uh, destroyed by the media uh, at the behest of bigger business and the government, specifically. Um, I have to be honest with you. This is confession time. I, I, I've been grumpy today over Facebook, uh, and I suppose it's probably not a popular thing to admit, but Facebook does 
hold a special place in my heart. And I do, um, and I know Harry is probably Harry's probably looking at me weird uh, already. But you have to understand, I was number 19 million on a platform of 2.2 billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, Facebook has been, as soon as it came to IEPY, I got on it. It has given me a career. It has given me a large portion of the audience of this podcast. It has given me um, many, many blessings in my life, many new friends. I don't think I would be as close to people like Harry or many of the podcast co-hosts if I didn't have Facebook. And I do think that there is some benefit to the platform in our lives, Um, even if I do think that it has been a a massive negative. But it does bum me out that we're kind of at the end of Facebook. And if you... I will put the links in the show notes, and you can go and read the Vox articles and the New York Times articles, and just read the way that they write about Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg are villains. Uh, they have they have uh, ba- basically what has gone on is Erskine Bowles. I mean, in this New York Times article earlier this week, the New York Times basically put out this article saying, "Here's the here's the timeline, the inside happenings of when Facebook found out that Russian hacking was taking place." Erskine Bowles, a former White House Clinton White House staffer is like head of the board and he's dressing down Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg, you know, and here is a Clinton staffer who is in charge of Facebook in this moment, who is upset about Russian hacking. Their workforce is all, you know, SJW liberals and uh, they're, they're getting the blame for Hillary losing. And the scapegoat of the 2016 election has, has now become Facebook and Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg. Mm -hmm. It isn't Hillary Clinton. It isn't, you know, any of the people that ran her campaign or Barack Obama or the bad economy or any of these things. It is Facebook. Right. Um, And I so I feel bad for a product that I have enjoyed over the years that has done a lot for me personally. I also hate it. I woke up this morning to a meme uh, that was uh, taken down by Facebook. It was one of those decider memes where up top there's two buttons and then down below there's the guy sweating. Mm -hmm. And the guy sweating was Don Lemon and it said, you know, don't be divisive or all white men are terrorists. Mm -hmm. And that was taken down by Facebook. Perfectly benign. I imagine that they, they scanned photos, which we know they scanned photos, but they saw the word terrorist. And said it went against their community guidelines and it was hate speech. I've asked for it to be reviewed. The funny thing is that it had a being libertarian watermark on it. Mm. And uh, after Liberty Memes was taken down, being libertarian didn't want to actually promote any of the new libertarian memes pages because the people that run it don't believe that uh, libertarians are actually being cracked down on or targeted. So it was with great joy that I was able to share with the founders of Being Libertarian uh, that uh, one of their memes was labeled hate speech because I told them at the time, and I was laughed at by the guy, you're going to have your day in the sun. Your time is coming. It doesn't matter how much you play by their rules. It's going to be so good. It's going to be. I'm going to have schadenfreude. Uh, I will put the bottle of champagne and your uh, non-alcoholic champagne in the fridge, (laughs) and that day you just call me and we'll just, you know, we'll crack open... Yeah, so I I just, you know, I was bummed that they didn't want to stand with the guys at Liberty Memes and uh, then took a couple personal shots at me, one of them, from one of their podcasts. Um, And so it was just like, 
Okay. All right. Well, I'm not going to engage this. Cool. But today I was, I enjoyed a little petty moment, to be quite honest. Um, Because it is, it doesn't matter how careful. And, you know, the guy was like, their main platform is Facebook. That's their page. They got a big page. And, you know, it sucks. It sucks for those people because. It, I've spent money promoting our page. I've spent money growing our likes. I've spent money pushing people into our Facebook group. And at some point, you have to go, why am I asking people to get on a platform that makes not only individuals sick, but society sick in, a, in and of itself? Like, I think I've come to the realization that I really don't have positive feelings when I close out my app and then reopen it two minutes later, but I can't help it. And so when Mark Benioff, the head of Salesforce, says, this is like cigarettes, we need to regulate it like cigarettes because it's addictive, and they have bad business practices, which Mark Benioff's a blowhard jackass. But, uh, oh, oh, great. I'm just cracking my laptop screen. I'm having a good day. Uh, But it is. There is an addictive nature to that platform specifically, but all social media. Um. They have repeatedly moved the goalpost on us. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, well, now put into pages, only do it on pages. Well, we're not going to put your stuff in and uh, the algorithm, so you need to do Facebook Lives. They've just changed their terms multiple times. Like As a person who has used Facebook uh, for their career, I do social media marketing, it is, it's an impossible platform. And social media marketers are, A, few and far between these days. People are getting laid off in mass because people realize there's no real way to measure uh, the ROI on Facebook marketing. There's no, like Sprout Social just put out a big study, which is a huge, it's like a very good study. And it basically just said the main challenge for marketers these days is to see if Facebook made them any money. If I spend money with you, is that return? Is there an investment? Is it an investment? Like, am yeah. I getting a return on the money that I spent? And you can see that with with other forms of media, but for whatever reason, you can't with social media. And really, what social media is good at is building community. Mm-hmm. It is it is great for we are libertarians, for instance, because I don't think that we necessarily change people's minds on Facebook, but we do capture the like minded. Mm-hmm. and funnel them into and the people that kind of get what we are libertarians is they funnel into the discord or the or our twitter or our instagram by the way stone has done a fantastic job with the instagram and the facebook page shout out to stone stone aldridge our social media manager uh he's done fantastic work he said i want to get to a thousand impressions on instagram i didn't think he could do it he did it uh so he did, uh, he did great work there, and I've just uh, added on a couple people to manage the Twitter, so the Twitter's going to be fire. So we're still using these platforms because we still want to identify people, but my own personal use, I don't want to do it anymore. You know, I just don't see the point in it. I'd rather read a book or an article and spend that time, those two out of every five minutes, reading something that I can share with you here than spending time on these platforms. Like, I... Like, Matt Drudge has it down right. <laughs> like, Matt Drudge <laughs> lives on some island somewhere, and he posts on his website, and he doesn't talk to anybody except the people he wants to talk to. I, I'm going to be Matt Drudge when I grow up. But, um, but no, I enjoy... So here's my conundrum, Harry. I, uh, you know... And then, <laughs> to top it all off, for the second time in a week, 
Facebook was down today. So it was down. It was down for most of the day. And so, yeah, well, you don't do the kind of tech stuff that I do. I do content and you do networking. But uh, if you were running Facebook and uh, you had uh, the massive server farms that Facebook has feeding 2.2 billion people uh, and you have uh, outages all day, Mm -hmm. what would you think that that might be, Harry? Like something really broke. Something really broke, like DDO, DDoS attacks, denial of service attacks. They've got stuff hacking. to pretty, they've got stuff to mitigate that. Something, but something had to break. I'm telling you. Of course, all of that in the world could go down because of a, you know a, a squirrel chewed a line, right. or be, or you know, big boy down the street decided to dig a new well. So I'm just sitting here going, okay. To continue to manage my Facebook page for We Are Libertarians because we've been too successful. We have a page that has reach and it does politics. And so, therefore, I had to give them my social security number to make sure that we could continue to have that page. Can't believe you did that. What, what choice do I have, Harry? Just walk away from 90,000 likes? Just walk away from it? What, what should I do, Harry? I don't know. I don't know. I've, but I I've know put I thousands of thousands of I, dollars into into that particular asset because they asked. I was like, "All right, no, not what, thousands, hundreds of." What dollars do they need? I was asset. like, "You want all that? Screw off!" Yeah, I was going well, to give. I was going to give them my faux one. You know, see if they see if they accept it. But here here is the problem: you have that luxury. Yeah, as the owner of this brand, I have not had that luxury. You you can say you, you can get deleted as an admin of the page like you did because you don't post on the page and you're like I'm not going to contribute I'm not going to give them that information and it's fine because the page still exists but I had to and so did my information get stolen by some hacker today and I won't know for six months that's okay your, your information was stolen from Equifax hack over a year ago so <laughs> right oh yeah no I was I was part of that um yeah, yeah. everything bad happens to me. Everyone in Including the sound Harry. of our voice was was part of that Equifax hack. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so, so that's the that's the conundrum. You've spent now five years really pumping people into the Facebook group. We were one of the first podcasts in the world to really use a Facebook group, and uh, I mean everybody else has kind of caught on mm-hmm. because you know it, it is it's a great way to build your community really quick and get people to interact with you. And it was a great way to kind of identify new co-hosts, all mm-hmm. the daily hosts. You know, people like Hody, for instance. I saw him start popping up in the Facebook group, and it's like, hey, that that guy's really smart. Come on the research team. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's recruiting that I do on on these particular platforms. So what do you do when you have a core piece of what you do and you don't want to use the tool anymore? <laughs> and so that's what I'm struggling with because. I don't think they're a good partner. I don't think that it's healthy for us. I don't think that uh, it's going to last. I don't think that, um, it, you know, it is, it's just... Bad for you? It, it, it's just a crummy situation. And so I've really been thinking over the last few weeks, and I've been listening to this podcast called No Agenda for a couple months now, and they have something called the Value for Value Network. And uh, this is this is uh, essentially going to be a call to action or a change in strategy. Part of part of what uh, we are libertarians has been about is me trying to will this thing into existence. Uh, yes, I've had many great co-hosts over the years who have have contributed significantly to its growth. 
you know, people like Joe Ruiz, Greg Lenz, Harry Price, Creighton, uh, Harrington, Chris Galt, people who, you know, and, and I'm leaving a lot of people out. It's a long list of people who have contributed to the growth of this thing. Other podcasters like Brian Nichols and uh, Tad Talk and, you know, the Boss Hog guys, like they're out there trying to grow the Weird Libertarians brand too. But at the, at the center of it is it is me spending 20 hours a week on the platform trying to build something, trying to will it into existence, being in charge, you know, kind of putting myself as the, you know, clear this with me type person. And, you know, I listened to the No Agenda show. And to be quite honest, I'm kind of tired. <laughs> like I'm a little over socialized and I'm a little tired. And I would I would prefer to do stuff like the World War One episode. I just walked away from that episode going, I really, really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed spending a ton of time reading about the subject, presenting it, uh, putting it out there. And that's what I enjoy doing. That's what I've started this to do was to learn and to do the show, to do the podcast. You know, but the, the platform building was necessary to kind of put the show and the name in as many places as you might be. So if you want to tag us to promote us, or if you are on that platform and you see a meme shared, you might see the name. Uh, you know, I th- that's why we we have so many different platforms. We have so many different outlets. Uh, it's very much the the similar idea that Alex Jones has always had is like put your content everywhere. Um, but that's very tiring, especially when that's your day job too. Like that's what I do for a living, right? <laughs> so I'm doing, you know, and I, I trust me, I'm not bitching because I love it. It's what I dreamed about doing in high school. I, I am doing my dream jobs, like, and I, and I love it. But I think we're kind of at a point where I need the audience to take ownership of promoting and even engaging and investing in the platform more. And I need to like go, okay, here's the We Are Libertarians name. Do what you want with it. Here's the assets. Here's the logos. Here's the, you know, not necessarily start other podcasts, but like, I don't know if you know what I mean, Harry, but, you know, uh, I just love the idea. And this, you know, I told the Liberty Memes guys, why, like, your accounts will never admin a page again. They will never let you get that big again. Yeah, never. Never. So what is the best way to screw them over? Create hundreds of Liberty Memes pages that they can never, so you can hide in the weeds. And like, I love that idea. Mm-hmm. I love the idea of creating a meme database, which you can now get on Imager. Uh, we are Libertarians is, the, is the, the thing, you know, or you can go to the CM Spangle Facebook account, find the, the 500 memes that I've posted there. Start your own meme page. You can call it whatever you want. You can use the We Are Libertarians name. It's little things like that where go out and, and create create your own communities. Like you created the Discord. I don't even know if you asked me if you could create the Discord or if you just did it. But I don't care because it's given a couple hundred people a great way to connect with each other. Yeah, it's, I did ask you. Maybe, yeah. I asked you for that and the uh, Steam group. Right. And I, you know, just do it. <laughs> like I'm at a point where that's what you said. Just do it, right? And just that's what it. I say to everybody. Like the Twitter person, I don't, cl- I don't check on, I don't listen to the We Are Libertarians dailies before I post them because I've just found people that I know get what we do. Who, <laughs> that bitch. 
<laughs> I've been I, I'm very fidgety and so I was playing with a rubber band in my hand and then Mittens just jumped up, carried it off in her mouth to play with it. Uh but I have um I'm at a point where I just want to say like if you want to start a Liberty and Chill, quit waiting on me to respond to your email. Just start one. Yeah, pretty much. Start if, one, promote it. If you want to start a, a Reddit, there is a Reddit thing. If you want to start uh, whatever and, and like help promote the show, do it. Like I, I want to. I just want to hear some ideas. I guess I don't know exactly what I'm looking for or what I want people to do. It's just I don't want you to wait for permission. I want you to just promote. Not just the show, but like our the style. Community. Yeah, the community. I want you to create, come up with opportunities for other listeners to connect with each other that I may not have thought about or don't have time to run. Yeah. Because there's 10,000 people downloading these shows now. Do you realize how many people that is listening to a podcast? That's a tremendous amount of people. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't want you to feel like you have to wait for me to create something. You know, you you told me about the free talk live guys like create your own t-shirt yeah. <laughs> like and print it out right you know send us patreon donations if you make any money off of it correct you know but i'm i'm not a copyright person where listen i need to own this copyright it's like no if you go out and you create if you promote we are libertarians and what we do here cool you know yeah. i don't need to be in charge of it i don't even think i'm an admin on our facebook page anymore um, because I just trust Stone, and Stone's doing a great job, so just go do it. Like, you got banned. But the problem is, is in this new age of social media, you know, it's going to be harder for me to run accounts. It's going to be harder for me to uh, be on these platforms, pushing out content. I'm going to keep getting banned. You know, they're going to... they. <laughs> you know, Jason Bessler, who runs Free Thought Project, just got banned from Tumblr now. You know, they once they mark you, they kind of follow you. And so I don't need to be running the pages. I don't need to be in charge of the stuff. It's not a good use of my time. My time is best spent here doing this. And uh, I think community building is probably better left to the community. So if you have an idea, put it in the Facebook group. You can run it by me if you want to via email at editor at wearelibertarians.com or just invite me to whatever you create. Um, yeah. create your own memes. I don't give a shit. I just, you know, I feel we at we are, we are libertarians do something that is is um, it's not a different type of libertarianism. It's a different type of sensibility. It is serious yet playful. <laughs> you know, we have fun, but we also do really smart conversation, really smart uh, talk. We do smart thing. Yeah. You know, and I think it needs to reflect that kind of stuff. Like, obviously, you know, we're not an offensive brand. We're not an offensive group. I believe that. I I believe that revolution comes in a suit. It mm-hmm. it uh, it is when it is dressed up mm-hmm. in a suit and it is less threatening. And you are talking about anarchy or libertarianism, but you're talking about it in ways that people can connect with. Peaceful, peaceful and, evolution in a suit. Yep. So exactly right. Drop the radical pose for the radical ends. And so, um, so I'm not sure what I'm asking for. And maybe you guys can come back and say, you know what? I've thought about this idea forever. I didn't know how to approach you with it. Like, you know, cool. Let's try it. Yeah. So I just want to say to the audience, if you're out there and you're listening, like the days of me being able to grow this platform 
anywhere other than my website and my email list are over. There, I will never be able to run a Facebook page or a Twitter account. I mean, Twitter, I think, is probably the last place that, you know, like we kind of fit Twitter sensibilities. <laughs> like they're, yeah. you know, it's Facebook, man, I'm done there. Like it, it's not just that I want to be done, but I think I'm done there. I think I think when I come off of my 30-day ban in a couple days, I think it'll be a matter of time before I get banned again. And so instead of me trying to force the Weird Libertarians brand into that place and trying creating other accounts, like why don't I just ask the audience to do it? <laughs> I almost feel bad. I've never gotten my main account banned. Well, you don't try hard enough. I, I don't try to get it banned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got other accounts and those, oh man. Those I don't are- I don't try. That's the point is you're not supposed to try to get banned. Like that's not what I'm looking for. I don't want you posting you know, anti-Semitic memes. I don't want any of that. I don't want us to be overly divisive. Like I think some of the Andrea, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez stuff is over the top. And I think is a net negative. I think when we criticize Cortez or Donald Trump as libertarians too harshly, we're actually like turning off new viewers to politics that may not look at libertarianism in a couple of years when they might. You know, and so I I think there's, you know, there's an art to being uh, a shit poster and it's not going too far. Yeah. Well, yeah, I I, you got to watch how you complain about them. Yeah. But the the thing is, you have to use both of those examples. Like, listen, you may want, you know, Cortez, but right now you have a Trump to give in order to that that she could have that power. That means Trump would have that power. If you got one Trump, you get two Trumps. Yeah. I guess my only rule, you know, because we're big enough at this point that if somebody tried to do what Charles Perallo did and try and steal the name, people would go, okay. Uh, so I'm not worried about that. Like if somebody tried to start a We Are Libertarians podcast, like everybody would know that you were ripping us off. Like that's how decent intellectual property works. Like you start something, you grow it, and then they, you know. But uh, if you wouldn't say it to the person's face, then should you say it? <laughs> I guess is maybe the rule. Like, if you're going to use our name, just be nice enough. Yeah. You know, like, I'm snarky, and I shit post and I post memes, but I also, like, I think there has to be an element of humanity in everything that we do, and I think that's a big part of why I hate social media, is that it's disconnected us from our neighbors, it's disconnected us from our communities, because we're now spending time with people that think and look like we do, as opposed to the people that just randomly live around us or randomly go to our kids school um so it, it it is it is a positive and a negative so so i don't know i'm just looking for ideas of a post-social world for the we are libertarians community um i can make something on the website i can have you help me make something on the website i don't i don't know what it looks like but uh you know people want to talk to each other in whatever way they want to talk and I don't want to get in the way of that or try and centrally plan that. Like, and if you guys just don't do it, then like we lose an essential way to grow the podcast. Like, here's here's the bottom line: uh, if the audience doesn't step up in the next six months to really like find ways to promote and grow the podcast through word of mouth, through community building, uh, then we're just not going to grow. You know, we'll grow with you know just by putting out a really quality pod product and this is how we grow most mostly is that we put out a really good podcast mm-hmm. 
and we have a big enough platform that we look legit and right. there and there are like what the Patreon money does is it allows us to look professional, to be as professional as amateur podcasters can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that when somebody hits the podcast and they listen to it, we sound great. We're in any player they might want to use. Right. You can listen to this podcast on any platform that you want to listen on, uh, in any way that you want to listen to it. You know, people don't just listen to the RSS feed. They listen on YouTube or SoundCloud or iHeart or Spotify. I'm working on getting on Pandora. Like, I make sure that we put the content wherever that we possibly can be. There's various tools that really cut hours down to make that possible. That's what the Patreon money goes goes towards. And that's what I'll continue to do is to make sure that the podcast product is really strong. But when it comes to the community building aspect, the community needs to take care of that at this point. Uh, because I just don't have the bandwidth to continue to do a quality show and keep up with several hundred people in this group and that group and this group and that group. You know, I'll be there, I'll talk to people and I enjoy it, but I also at some point am going a little crazy because I'm trying to talk to too many people and keep too many people straight. So, which is a beautiful byproduct of success. Like, am I coming off bitchy? No. no. I I think what I'm saying is uh, I'm not good at asking for help, but that's what I'm saying is help (laughs) because I'm... I'm leaving the community building in your hands, the promotion of the pro- of the product in the hands of the listener. Correct. Because you're you're the ones that will actually get people to listen. If I go out there and I say, "Listen to m- listen to me talk," mm-hmm. people go, "Oh, what an asshole!" Yeah, look at the arrogance on this dude. Right. But if 500 of you go out and post on your social media, "Hey, I love this podcast." then people actually listen to you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, that's one of the things that I read in that Sprout Social thing. It's like two-thirds of people will, will actively seek out a product if a friend recommends it. Yeah. But like nobody if the product recommends itself. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's just... Uh, I feel like I'm fighting a Pyrrhic battle mm-hmm. if, if I continue to really use social tools to grow this show. Mm-hmm. Because they're just going to continue to crack down on me. It's going to be wasted energy. It's wasted advertising from these airwaves for those products that don't believe in what we believe. It is. It is. Uh, they're bad business partners, and I don't want to recommend that you use them. You know. But if you're on Facebook, we have a Facebook group. If you don't believe in Facebook, we've got a Discord. If you, if there's something out there like people have been begging me to start a Minds group, and I just don't have time to do it. Because if you want me to start a Minds group. It means you're going to get two less articles out of this show. And I, I think it's just more important for the content to be here. So if you want to start a MeWe group, you want to start a Minds group, go for it. Do it. Yeah. You know, if you can make me an admin, then please do. You know, uh, I'm not a huge believer in new social channels. I just am, uh, I'm not a fan of Gab. I have been on Gab. I think it's gross. Uh, there are certain people on Minds where I'm just like, but you can tune those people out. The platform's built a little bit better. MeWe's fairly homogenous, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but uh, my, Gab's kind of gross. But uh, you know, um, yeah, like I just I just don't have it in me to like use this product to grow that product, and then only to have it all like taken away again. Correct. Yeah. You know, 
So, but I'm still going to participate in in as much of the groups as possible. I'm not. This is not like one of those big statements of I'm leaving social media. It's just, um, <laughs> dear leader, leaves social media with ten thousand listeners. I, I just think we have a lot of you know opening opening myself up to like the research group and allowing other people to help prep for the show has really kind of like oh this central planning that I was doing was a bad idea. Yeah, see. I used to hate when people was like, I'm leaving Facebook. This is why I'm leaving right. Facebook, stuff like that. So, like, I remember, like, I left Facebook and didn't say anything. I just, like, stop logging off. Right. right? I, every time I jump on here, there's, like, tens of different, like, messages on here. Where are you? I'm like, oh, crap, because I never said anyone. Like, no, I just stopped logging in. Yeah. You know? So it forces me to log in once in a while to find out, like, to find this person and tell them, like, I'm not here anymore. Right. Give them my email address or somewhere else to contact me. Right. So yeah. now I see the benefit of the whole post of I'm leaving social media. Yeah. I mean, the best way to contact me is through email editor at wearelibertarians.com. Um, a lot of listeners hit me up a lot of different ways, and that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm not leaving because I can't. I have, I have, business connected to these platforms like my job is still connected to that platform intimately yeah you know so i don't have the benefit of leaving um but i do have the choice of spending my personal time there or not you know it's like you don't go and watch tv at your work you know so like you don't go "Ah, i'm gonna unwind and drive my tv up to work and just sit in my chair in my you know like you have separate houses and so i think i may do some more of that but you know, like we we have a, a Patreon group. I will still continue to post and and encourage people to use that because it's it's a very small group of people. It's it's and because it's a small group of people, it's much more fun and intimate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's less than a, it's around a hundred, I think, uh, which is different than like a public group because mm-hmm. you can get you can see you can be yourself a little more. Um, uh, I'm not a huge. I, I like Discord. I'm not a huge fan of the anonymity because that kind of defeats the community building part of it. But uh, I understand that people want the anonymous option, which is, hey, whatever, man. Like, if you want to get in in the Discord and be anonymous and pseudo anonymous, yeah, and that's how you want to interact. So it's not anonymous. That's that's cool. So I'm just I'm not trying to whine here. I'm just trying to say like. Uh, I'm 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 out of ideas, <laughs> and I'm hoping that if I crowdsource the idea of how we communicate with each other next, uh, then maybe that'll that'll be great. So maybe I'll get an idea, and if I don't, then we just won't. Okay. So sound good? Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, um, yeah. Discord is not anonymous. Um, it's more of a you do not know that someone whoever's name because the, you're just giving someone screen name. The Discord servers are owned by a company and they know exactly who you are. So you're not anonymous like that. Right. I just right. want to give that clarification. Right. It's not like um, what's a what's a pure anonymous? Is there a pure anonymous social network? I know Mastodon's out there. It's decentralized. I don't decentralized, know. but not anonymous. Yeah. Still I tracks. also need uh, th- what what is this thing that Michael Schulteis keeps recommending? What this uh, meme database? I'm like, how about we just use Imager? And he's like, why don't you put it on your website and don't face the same problems? Uh, like, I want to build. I want. Oh yeah, he was actually just saying, just like yeah, just build it, put it on your database, and just um, put it in a database and then link it to the site on your own server and just own the code. That's see perfectly correct. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I want to create a meme database. I'm preparing and downloading all the memes from the pages. Yeah. I'm gonna have thousands of memes, adding it, adding to it daily. And instead of posting memes to Facebook, let's post them there so people go grab them and then create their own meme pages. Yeah, yeah. 
It's perfectly like, no, yeah. what Michael's saying is legit. I think it would be awesome, and maybe there's something out there if you know of it. I think it would be great to have like some sort of community-generated photo album okay. or a database or whatever mm-hmm. that people can upload their memes to it, you can upload yours, and then people can vote on it. And something easier than Reddit. So almost like a photo Reddit. Right? Okay. All right. <laughs> so then you kind of see like, hey, this is the most downloaded meme or this is the most upvoted meme or whatever. See, this is what's going to cook. This is the the amazing, beautiful thing that's going to happen. Eventually, someone's going to coat this thing. Right. Someone's going to make a social network built around podcasting. Right. It hasn't happened. And hey, that's the main thing that... And that's... And that's the next social network. Patreon's trying, but they're doing too much. Yeah, they're doing yeah. too much. They've they've got the the money. They they can see it happening, but they're not focusing on it. Yeah. Uh, Pandora tried to do something, but has lost focus on it. Like for me, social media, you know, and that's the argument inside the the libertarian podcast, libertarian media groups that I'm in. It's like, well, if we leave these platforms, then we're not reaching new people. Like, are you though? Are you? Because I don't really feel like I change any minds on Facebook. Like I feel or like are you even reaching new people? Like the algorithm is stopping that, right? Like I feel like I'm changing minds and hearts here, mm-hmm. and I can have a long conversation with the listener. It may be a one way conversation, but at least it's conversational. Right. I can I can be understood in context. Uh, your guard is kind of down. It's it's a great way to kind of communicate these big ideas, and you can't do that on text on a mobile app. I just don't think you can. Yeah. So, you know, I'd rather create a product online like a database of memes that people know. Oh, come and come and do this. You know, I may be giving out my idea here, and somebody will start it for themselves. Cool, fine. Good. Awesome. But, but I, you know. I thought of it first. Help me out. Uh, but. <laughs> well, yeah, just open source it. Yeah. Trust me. So many of my ideas get stolen. Yeah. Or, you know, yeah. Like Indiana Talks, for instance. Like I was talking to this local radio guy uh, in 2012. I was like, I've got this idea for this Indiana-based streaming radio network. Mm-hmm. And then he called me like a few days later. He goes, Heck, I-, I really love that idea. I'm- I've started Indiana Talks. You want to help me? Uh, that's how it got started. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that was awesome. But I don't care. Like I'm, I'm content and happy in my life. Like I love doing this, and this is what I love doing. Like, but uh, yeah. So it's your fault that Rob got so big. Partly. I blame you still. <laughs> Supposed to see Rob tomorrow. He may be on next week. We were, I was. I remember our podcast used to crush Rob Kendall. Oh yeah, for sure. He's Rob. Yeah, it's Rob. Nobody likes Rob. Nobody likes Rob. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Uh, any and all ideas are appreciated. Any initiative and effort is appreciated. I want people out there helping to promote the podcast. Uh, you know, if you if you have special talents, if you're an artist, if you're uh, a podcaster and you want to send in tapes, you know, maybe... Someone's going to send in a cassette tape. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what they're called in the biz, Harry. Uh, you know, we're always, I'm always looking to recruit new hosts for the daily, um, or to be guest host or co-host on this show for when Harry quits, um, or I fire him. So there's, there's a ton of opportunity to get involved here. Like if you believe in what we're doing, then I need you to tell me about it. I need you to show me. All right. Otherwise. Okay. We'll just keep going on at this level. 
which is fine. But I think as an audience, you can do better. <laughs> I'm doing great. I don't know about you people, but all right. <laughs> you people. Mm. Three, four people who are doing excellent are Jason Doolittle, Craig DaCosta, Christy Avery, and the Libertarian Coalition. They're giving, they're giving $100 a month to help fund this, and I thank them so much for it. I thank everybody who's a patron. Um, from our $1 a month patrons to our $100 a month to, to our $125 a month patron. Uh, you guys are awesome, and I appreciate it. Um, you guys really do fund the backbone of this. What I've always tried to do, I've always told every co-host, I can't pay you money to be on the show. I can't pay you to write articles, but I'm building a kick-ass platform for many different voices of libertarianism. And if you want to contribute and use it to grow your own name then sweet you know and and in many cases it does work because mm-hmm. people who are dedicated to this build their own little following of people it's it's fun to get to interact with other libertarians it doesn't yes. make you famous but it does give you friends yeah so uh please contribute if, and if you're a patron you're contributing to building that platform all right that's enough talking my voice is about shot for the week um if you can't hear yeah i think we, like uh, yeah you just hit the right, hit the yeah, right there on the head. The we actually had a five team paladins group last week, um, all composed of people I we all didn't know each other before Wall, which was right. for Wall. We sit there play together, you know, video games together with all just Wall people. It was, had a blast. Right. Um, it was an all Wall. Um, Besides, yeah, it was like a we almost had a all, yeah it was an all Wall you know host or co host or researcher on the you know on the squad. Whatever your gift is, contribute to the community. And it, it goes back to the no agenda thing of value for value. It's the value for value system. You know, you contribute some value because you get value from it. And it's not just about, hey, give us $5 a month and we're going to give you great content. There are people who, once they get involved into the We Are Libertarians community, it's full of great people that they enjoy hanging out with. And they contribute other things because they get value out of it. And it may be stuff that isn't directly related to anything I do, but there's people who keep the community at the Discord alive, and then they find friends, and they get value out of that, and so they give value back to other things. And that's really what this is about. It's about creating a community of libertarians. This is the island of misfit toys, of libertarians that don't belong anywhere else. And, uh, you know, I, I want to create opportunities like that. Like, that makes me so happy that there's five people who are listeners to the program that now have friendships outside of their, their circles, people who kind of have the same interest, you know, but are different outside of their life. That's what I want to create. I want to create more of those stories. And so give value back to this thing that you get value from and don't be a stranger. And, uh, you know, if, if, uh, if you're like... Some of our patrons say, listen, I can only give money. That's the only thing that I can give value. You give me a lot of value as a listener, so I want to give money as a, you know, awesome. You know, but there's other ways to contribute, and that's what I'm asking. I'm asking you guys, hey, contribute, give value back. If you get value from this, then let's, uh, let's trade. It's, uh, it's a very libertarian idea. So, all right, Harry, final thoughts. Would it comes to like talking with people with marijuana I always just you know you know 
talking about the smoking aspect, you know, can't help. But most of the I would like, I like to always bring into the aspect of just farmers and cash crop and just understanding that, like, you know, like understanding, especially when you talk to farmers, it's, it's about money and crops they can't plant and diversity. And they get that, you know, right. they get that. That's how you get them on board. When it comes to, you know, the social media and the social networks, yeah, it's bad for you. Um, Facebook, like I have said in the past, it, it, Facebook manipulates you. It has ran experiments on you. Yeah. That's, you know, we've known of three. I, I really feel like, yeah, that's the thing. I just, I think I'm in a bad mood today because I'm tired of feeling like a rat in a cage. Like, I'm tired of feeling like I'm the one going over there and smashing the button to get a little treat from a politician, from Facebook, from business. From I'm tired of that feeling. Like, I want to be in control. I want to be in community with people that think like I do, that respect the value of honesty, of, you know, all the, all the various libertarian values that it would take to create a libertarian society. I want to be around those people. I don't want to be around the boomer screaming about politics because he's so stupid that he's been manipulated by his particular echo chamber. Like, and I know, oh, you're just in your own echo chamber. No, like, there's a lot of diverse thought within We Are Libertarians. Like, there's, like, you should see Reinhold and Tad talk to each other. (laughs) Like, intellectual diversity is a value that we hold here at We Are Libertarians. And it, and, I, I want to be in community with people like that, and I'm tired of being manipulated. Yeah. And all, um, another thing with the whole thing is, like, I'm not blind. I know that I do not own the server code or the people who are on the Discord. I Honestly, I never thought the Discord would get as large as it did. Yeah. I created that simply to play video games, maybe some Left 4 Dead 2, maybe some Payday 2, you know, with a couple of wall listeners, you know, on a Friday night. I'd have never known it got that big. Yeah. If I would have known, I would have did something else. Am I working on something else? Have something else ready in the wings? Heck yeah. 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 I've been playing. I've got it. I've got a plan right right here. I just want to make sure it ran on Linux and Windows and 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 Mac. It does. So. What what's playing? Uh, just uh, all Discord alternative. Okay. Yeah. I don't. Right now, I have no reason to leave Discord. But like I said, just anything like that, they could. And snap their fingers, and then boom. That's yeah. That's part of it. Create the lifeboats now. Yeah. So I'm going to create the lifeboat. Pass it out. Pass the keys out. So like, hey, you know, this thing goes down. I'll be over here. Yeah. You know, like, just like, you know, they take it down. It's like, well, we're over here. We're we're already moved. Even if it's patron chats once a month, you know, or get-togethers or starting your own liberty and chill, whatever, whatever idea you got, whatever value you can give back. You're going to get value in return. I promise you. So, all right, guys. And and trust, hey, th- also, if you've, you know, go to the website, send an email or get on SpeakPipe and leave a voicemail. Like, if you've been a part of the We Are Libertarians community and you've gotten something out of it and you want to encourage others to participate, then please hit that up. All right. Uh, thank you, Harry, for being here. It was good to see you. It's uh, I've been missing you. It's been uh, irregular lately and you've been sick and... Uh, yeah. all kinds of stuff so it's good to good to finally uh, get back to it so um, alright yeah, it's uh, good not to be sick we will we will not have a show on Thursday there will be a wall daily on Friday we will be back next week um, and then uh, yeah looking forward to it alright we'll yeah. talk to you guys later have a good day, have a good week and have a happy Thanksgiving <laughs>